When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Wednesday, July 19th, and we are here trying to help you make better financial decisions. If you've got a question about something going on in your life, just give us a holler. Go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the Contact Us button and write your note out. If you would like to join us on the air live, then you just click that box and Mark makes everything happen because that's the kind of guy he is. And uh, before we came on the air, I was telling Mark, I had this really intense experience with a friend of mine who recently contacted me and she was wanting to get a little bit of advice as, you know, this is what my life is about really, you know, uh, essentially that, you know, anyone in my life knows they can basically call me and they will get that, you know, white glove treatment that I give you all every single day. And I just will give it to my friends, which is why I also feel entitled to ask my friends for advice when I need it. Here's the situation that I just wanted to point out. And that is that she has a job with a pension and she will be entitled to that pension at age 62. And we had this really fascinating conversation where um, she has a, a pretty nasty medical diagnosis, which would likely indicate that she has a shorter life expectancy. And Mark, you know, it was one of the few times where I really thought to myself, just go ahead, claim that pension at 62, and maybe just go ahead and claim your social security benefit at age 62, because no one is relying on her for her social security benefit. And the combined of the pension and the social security, both of which have inflation adjustments, will float her needs. So, Mark, what would you do if you had that situation? Would you just keep working and be like, I want to feel normal because who cares about my diagnosis? Or would you be like, out of there? I don't know that I would be out of there straight away, but uh, I might keep working until, you know, maybe things take a turn for the worse or it becomes problematic. But knowing that I could pull the plug at any time and just quit, yeah, it gives me some peace of mind, I think. Yeah. And I think that that's the other thing when we talk to a lot of people on the program, and that is... Sometimes the peace of mind is what you need and the rest of it will come to you. And 
it's just, it's so fascinating because we have this whole idea about retirement, retirement. Well, none of us has retired yet. I have not retired. Mark has not retired. We talk about this concept. You out there, you're still working. You don't know what this feels like. And it is a huge, huge transition. And we understand that. So if you are contemplating that transition and you are contemplating changes that are likely to occur in your life, well, we'd love to hear from you. So while you're on the website, a couple of things, just talking about a funny thing, Mark. So, you know, I've got the cycle for the cause up on our website, which this is me riding this 275 miles. And um, you'll see right at the top, it says donate to Jill's cycle for the cause. And then there's a little like, uh, what's that called? A crawl at the bottom of the site. Donate, donate, donate. Right. So this is my 275 mile ride, uh, Boston to New York, which I have to do virtually this year, not in person because of a scheduling conflict. Jackie's getting a big honor. That's why I really can't do it. And so I'm, you know, doing a lot of outreach. Okay. So the first thing I did is I sent out like an email to the family over the weekend Mark, it took me three times to get that email right. And one of Jackie's cousins, who is like a cloud computing genius, said to me, link broken, link broken. (laughs) I had to call him and get his help. And so that's what I'm laughing. Like he has called me for financial advice. I call him for technical advice. I never have a problem raising my hand and saying, I need help. I really do not have a problem doing that. Uh, So also, Mark, what is, here's my big gun. I happen to have stumbled upon somebody who has a Peloton that is giving it to me. How about that? I need a person who has a van who will take said Peloton and transport it. What is the service that I need to get to do that? Just ask around? Like, who does that? Someone, I'm sure, maybe even one of our listeners in the New York area might be able to help us out. But wait a second. This person is getting rid of Peloton because they don't use it? None. Not at all. Like literally bought it in the pandemic, okay, and said to me, I used it for two months, three months. As soon as the gym opened, they both went back. And now I am so lucky because they basically, because they're moving from one home to another. And so my friend said to me, you know what? If you take this off my hands and I don't even have to move it, it's even better. I'm just going to give it to you. I got to figure this out. All right, let's go do some emails. It's time. It's time. Um, Okay, so let's start off here. Oh, and by the way, uh, also on the website, you will so happily be delighted to see there's all sorts of free content, but also you can buy the book, The Great Money Reset, and you can subscribe to Jill on Money Live. All right, let's do this. This is from Nancy, who's asking about long-term care insurance. Nancy writes, I'm 64 years old and a recent widow. Oh my God, her husband had ALS for eight years. Oh my gosh. Anyway, she writes, after caring for him through this terrible disease, I'd like to make sure that I have some kind of long-term care insurance in place for myself since my husband and I never had it prior. It is expensive and the thought of paying for it for so many years and possibly never using it, well, that was a problem for me. In my research, I have come across hybrid policies where you can pay a lump sum or possibly roll over some IRA money and pay for 10 years. These seem to be good options because at least if I never use the policy, my children could get some sort of payout from the life insurance portion when I pass. Or if I do use it, especially the indemnity type policy, which is attractive to me, it would actually have growth. It kind of sounds too good to be true compared to the standalone policies. Self-insuring sounds pretty scary too. 
I'm so nervous to come on the show. You'll probably ask me questions about my investments that I will not be able to answer. And I don't want to say I'm not sure over and over. I've had to learn a lot in the last few months, but the portfolio part, I'm not there yet. You know what, Nancy? I understand this. I would say that uh, you are not alone. When someone goes through a significant illness, it does, of course, make you get concerned for yourself. But let's just kind of go through the general categories of people and who has to worry about long-term care and who does not. So, you know, obviously, when you're married, there's a huge concern about long-term care because money that you're spending on the care of the sick spouse is money that is depleted for the survivor. And that's why when we talk about long-term care, the couples become the huge focus of the attention. Because frankly, if you're single or you're a widow or a widower, then you are in basically a situation where you're just managing your own stuff. And if you went through all of your money, it would stink. And I know your kids wouldn't get the money and the, the they would not inherit it. That said it wouldn't be putting anyone else at risk. So who else needs to think about long-term care? So we think about couples who have a net worth of somewhere around, I mean, I'm probably going to use inflation on this market. I'm going to think that we used to say a half a million to a million and a half. I bet it's more like 800, 750, 800 to 2 million. That group of people who have like 750 to uh, 2 million, they're the people who could exhaust a lot of their money on long-term care, leave a healthy spouse in trouble, or at least less secure. And those are the kinds of people that maybe these hybrid policies would really be interesting to consider. And they are interesting for the, not so much for the, um, I, I don't really care about the indemnity part. I don't really care about the growth of the money. I care about the coverage and what it can provide you. So the first thing to ask yourself is, what is my net worth? So that's something you don't have to understand investments for that. How much money do I have outside of my house? If your money is, let's say, I don't know, if you got a million bucks outside of the house and you're all alone, you probably, I don't know, you probably don't need it. If you've got less than that, if you have five, $600,000, chances are you would spend money on your care and then you would deplete some of your assets and maybe all of your assets and you would pay for what you need. But buying the insurance yourself would be so expensive that it would, you know, when you say, is it too good to be true? No, it's not too good to be true. It's exactly what it is, which is expensive coverage for an event that, you know, you know, may be coming up in terms of long-term care with death. You definitely know it's coming up. So I guess that what I would say for you, Nancy, is I understand your concern. It is worth talking to somebody. And maybe, maybe one thing that could be a really good idea would be to see a certified financial planner and get an opinion on that. And maybe you need some help with the investments also. That's what it sounds like to me, at least. So check that out, Nancy, and get back in touch with us. You know what, Mark? I would like to talk to somebody who is a real expert in those hybrid long-term. We need a long-term care expert because I really want to have someone on who who is more up to date about like, what are the best policies right now? Okay. Uh, Bob writes, hi, Jill and Mark. I love your show. It's perfect for a short attention span folks who want a shot of good information, but we're ready to move on after a few minutes. Let me go fast. Uh, Bob says, we are both educators. I'm 63. I'm retired. I work part-time. I plan on dropping that in 2024 unless a great opportunity comes up. 
I make $3,600 a month with the part-time. My pension brings in $4,400 a month. I will be subject to the windfall elimination. Uh, what's the P? Windfall elimination. Provision. Provision. Thank you. So my social security benefit will only be about $800 if I take it at 65, 1,000 at 67. Okay. My wife will be 60 when she retires in 2024. Her pension will bring in $6,000 a month. So let's just get that. So 6,000, he's got 44, so 10,400. And then his social security on top of that. So he's got 11 grand at least. Okay. Meanwhile, the wife has an online gig. It brings in another 10 grand a year. She wants to ramp it up to 25 grand a year and she'll generate that for another eight to 10 years. Oh my gosh. And uh, maybe she'll have another $500 a month from social security in 10 years when she turns 70. They've got $155,000 left on a three and a quarter percent 20 year fixed rate mortgage on a home that's worth $450,000. Oh boy, here we go. Here's my complication right now. We purchased a lot on the Georgia coast with plans to build sometime in the future. They paid $53,000 for the lot. They've got a mortgage of $40,000 and they're going to pay that off in five years because the rate is 8%. They've got no other debt. Okay, here's what they got saved. We have combined Roth IRAs of $315,000 and then $28,000 in a 403B, 10 grand in brokerage, 10 grand in cash. The down payment on the lot and a bathroom remodel ate up most of our cash. We plan to rebuild that. That's good. When I see the calculations on the amount of money or a nest egg that it would take to generate $10,400 a month in guaranteed income, I have to think we're in great shape. Yeah, I'll say their expenses are around that amount per month, but that includes $500 a month going towards the lot. We have plans to travel. I want to feel comfortable spending five dollars to $6,000 a year on that. I'd love another set of eyes to tell us we're in great shape or that we may want to look at working part-time a few more years. My wife loves her job as a school counselor, would have no problem doing that. Me, I'm done after next year. Or what do you think for Bob, Mark? I'm thinking uh, I wouldn't mind his wife working a couple more years. Why doesn't she work a couple more years until that lot is paid off and uh, and then re- and also rebuild the cash account and then you're good to go? That's what I think. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, well, the the pension obviously is huge. That's a lot of money that basically covers everything. I mean, you know, I don't know how much they plan on spending on this lot down in Georgia. How, what's it going to cost to build whatever they want to build? I don't know. That to me is like the, the, I mean, unless you're thinking, I was, here's what I think. If you're going to sell your house eventually and then use the proceeds to build the house, that would be great. She should keep working until you figure out what you really want to do with that lot. I don't know. It's just, it's very hard to imagine that like, you're going to need more than what you have already accumulated, except if you blow it on that house. That is, you're right, Mark. That's the case. That's one area where I'm thinking, eh, you got to be careful. And most of you guys, like when you have a pension, you're right. Think about what it takes, Mark, to generate $10,000. That would be like three and a half million bucks. I was going to say four million, no sweat, and maybe even five in a low rate environment. You know, like it's crazy. So that's what the benefit of a pension really is. But if your wife likes working, keep working. Mary writes, we purchased land many years ago and eh, guess what? They think they might build on it. Who does this thing? See, I always get so nervous. Uh, okay. She says, we are gonna we might build on it. We might keep it as an investment to pay for our son's college. We decided not to build on it. It's gone up in value. It's worth about equal to what my son's college bill is. 
And I heard payments will resume in October. My son lives in an apartment complex right now. Costs keep going up. Ownership keeps changing, blah, blah, blah. We're wondering if the land money would be better used to help him get his own home. And maybe we could roll his college debt into his mortgage someday. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We're doing well. We've got no debt. We don't need the money from the land. Sounds like a great way to get our son into a better living situation. Yeah, why not? That sounds good to me. Um, I don't know if you should buy anything. I really don't. It would really be predicated on what it is he really wants to do with his life, you know, and how he is able to manage it. Maybe buying isn't the best idea for him. So here's what I think. You should absolutely have him give us a holler with you on the line and we can walk you through it. That to me is the easiest thing in the world to do. Okay. All right. If you don't need your money and you want to come up with great ideas about generations in perpetuity, if you want to be thinking about what is it that I can do to help my kids out or how should I help my grandkids out? Or if you're managing your aging parents and you need help, like this intergenerational planning has become huge, huge. And we understand the pressures that are building. So if you need help with any of these kinds of questions, go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the Contact Us button and let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we ask you to leave us a rating review wherever you are listening. Lift someone up, change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you know a high schooler who is a natural leader and loves to give back to their community? The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Student Visionaries of the Year program might be the perfect opportunity, forming strong teams to support them. Student Visionaries of the Year candidates fundraise for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This seven-week philanthropic leadership development program helps students gain valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship. Not to mention, it looks great on college applications. But most importantly, it's a chance for students to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on the lives of blood cancer patients and their families. Learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students.